Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, what's up, Transformation? Y'all doing good today? Come on, Ben, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing good? Good to see you, bro. Ben had surgery a couple weeks ago, major surgery, and here he is back in the house of God, recovering, being prayed for by family members. I'd love to see you, man. Uh, it is good to be in the house. Come on, can you give some praise to Jesus for being a healer, for being good, for being a deliverer? Come on, we're so thankful for what he's doing in this place and in our, in our life. I want to give you a good report. You heard about Serve Knock Saturday that's happening uh, this Saturday. We actually purchased, you purchased, we purchased a $30,000 box truck last week on Thursday. Come on, a 26-foot with a lift gate so we can give away more food in our city and diapers, and it's exciting to see. Thank you for being a generous, generous people so that we can go drive. We didn't have to take up an offering for, to buy a $30,000 truck. We didn't, I didn't have to come and ask you to sign up in the lobby. I didn't... I didn't have to put up petitions. You know, you guys are just a generous people and that we have vision and we believe God to serve our community and our heart goes out to people. So we went and got to buy a truck because of guys and women and men like you. And so just thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that. Uh, we've given away 200,000 pounds of food this year so far. That blows my mind. And so uh, we're just getting started and God's, God is uh, serving uh, humanity, our heart goes out because Jesus' heart went out, and so today's going to be a great day. We've already had several people give their life to Christ. We've heard an amazing word this morning. I have a really good friend of mine. We've been friends for about 15 years, um, I believe, 14 years, and uh, he's in town today. You've been hearing about Children's Cup Ministry, um, and there's a friendship table in the lobby on the right there by the grass wall. And um, at, at that table, you've heard stories about and seen videos for the last couple weeks. But today, uh, the director of Children's Cup is here, and he doesn't only uh, direct children. Cup. He pastors, uh, many pastors. He's part of um, ARC, Association of Related Churches. We are part of an organization called ARC. So a portion of our giving every month goes to this association and they plant churches. It's not just an association. It's friendships. It's relationships. It's related churches. And so he actually gets to travel around the globe and uh, encourage pastors and just go be a friend to pastors and go to different churches and bring gifts when he comes. And sit. he just blesses us. And he's done that for me and, and my life. And really uh, through me to you, you and your life, um, just encouraging us is what we do here. And uh, then also, you're going to hear about Children's Cup today. He supports and leads amazing organization all around um, the world, just really raising up uh, ministry and help and hope and dreams for kids. And so that's an awesome ministry that you're a part of. We've been partnering for a while with Children's Cup, but you're going to hear a little bit more about it today. Listen, he's going to come. Would you give him a, a round of applause? He doesn't want that, but give him that. And then turn your attention to the video that's going to play as he comes. Come on, Pastor Dan. We love you. Somebody gonna need to teach Pastor Justin how to do that little dance there, and I, that would be add that to the head banging part. I think if when we had hair, that was really really cool to do. Now he just it keeps the hat on somehow. I'm telling you that first song that we did today, yeah. maybe my favorite worship song in like forever. Son, y'all don't back off either. Like some churches I go to, they walk up to that moment in a song when you think, okay, we're really gonna get going now. And then they kind of throttle it back because they're worried about somebody getting offended. Thanks for offending me today, guys. That was great. Bring it. That was fun. That was fun. I, I'm glad there's three services. I get to hear it again. Like, I'm going to get it on my playlist and go home. Um, it was really fun. It's such a great church. I, I, I got to visit back when you were in the, what do you call it, the Rocky, Rocky Hill Location, y'all, y'all are like one. You're, I don't know if you know your own church history, but you were one of the first churches that Ark helped plant. 
which is really cool because the, the, the story of what God's doing, and you look at this now, you guys have, you've been through some stuff, you've been through some changes, you've been through whatever, but you're here. And look at this. I mean, look around. This is like a good looking church too. I mean, I know you, I got a t-shirt from a church in Oklahoma that says no perfect people allowed. I'm like, well, okay, great. But it's, thank God they let ugly people in because I got to go too. But uh, y'all a good looking church, you know? And uh, even first service was good looking. You know, you'd be good looking at nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. That's something. Uh, we'll see what that next service looks like. Y'all should hang around and tell, hey, man, you know, you need to fix that. Uh, now, it, it is, and I, I think what makes this church so beautiful is not the amazing facility you've got. The, God, I'm big on that screen. Um, it's not the, you know, the cool screens. It's not, it's not even the, you know, the, the, the fact that you have such a great history, it's that your history is you're so generous and you're so loving as a church. And that comes from your pastor's hearts. I don't know how much you ever stop and just take inventory of what you have here as part of this church. But it is, it's, it's incredible. It's not every church has that. That may be why you're here. Maybe you're part of another church. Don't, don't hate on the other churches. But I'm just saying what you have here is special. You take an inventory of it. Your pastors have, you, yesterday, we went out to eat lunch with some uh, other pastors here in town. Pastor Jamie got them together. He's friends with them. Bigger churches, smaller churches. One guy's a pastor of a church that doesn't exist anymore. But he's, like, they're friends, and he's being generous to them. I came in with an ARC credit card ready to pay. He's like, nah, we got this. And we fought about it, and he's bigger arms than I have, so he arm wrestled. But the generous heart, it makes, it makes all the difference in the world. You guys are, you are that kind of church, and... Um, uh, we've experienced that as ARC. You guys helped plant today. Four new churches are being planted. This is church planting season in the fall. But today, four new churches. And Transformation Church has a piece in every one of them. Because when you give in the offering here, a little bit of that goes to help ARC plant more churches. And we get to do that like all the time. It's great. And also part of that goes to help Children's Cup. You guys are one of the more generous churches we have as partners. Just given to make sure that Children's Cup can keep doing what we're doing. So... I just want to say thank you to you guys from both fronts that I get to work with. Uh, it's amazing the, uh, the life change and stuff that happens because of you right here in Knoxville. You're planting a church in, uh, in Washington and one in, in Massachusetts today. And you know, and, and you got, you got kids that you're helping in Honduras and you got a, a million other things. That's just the ones I know about. Um, with Children's Cup, I just want to tell you real quick about it. I mean, I'm not here to, to take the whole message and talk about it. I've got some time that I have a very simple message I want to give you. It's, it's, uh, sometimes I think it's too simple, but I got one point. I'm not like one of those guys with three points in a poem. I got no poem and I got one point. Um, but just to tell you about Children's Cup so that you, you can know. Some of you have sponsored kids with us in the past. And recently, you, you know, over the last few months, we've flipped our, our model from being a child sponsorship model like, like a lot of other organizations do. And uh, it's a good model, but for us, it just wasn't the model for, that we wanted to have. We're, we want to dig roots and be in there for the long haul with these kids and actually go beyond just feeding them and, and give them a cool place to hang out. Like we have a program we've developed that is taking them from a four-year-old or a five-year-old who comes to a care point looking for a meal or a safe place to play and actually at the other end of that, when their time at the care point is done, when they're 18, they graduate high school, that they're ready for life. They're ready to be a business leader. They're ready to start a business that changes the economy of their community. They're ready to be a pastor. They're ready to get married and have a family that doesn't produce kids that are like what they, the situation they were in. They're going to they're gonna change their world. So we, call it, we, we say it this way. We give hope, look like a meal, 
It can look like just a safe place to be, a place to be loved and accepted and heard, but we give them hope. And ultimately, my, my dad and mom started Children's Cup. My dad's favorite thing to say was, Hope's name is Jesus. So you can't give them hope and not give them Jesus. So we're going to really give them hope. We give them Jesus. But as that takes root in their lives, and they figure out, oh, I am going to survive. Like, I'm not going to starve to death. I'm not going to have, I'm not going to get killed by the gang because I'm running with the gang as soon as I, whatever. I have a life in front of me. Well, then what happens is they start to dream about a future. And we want to inspire that. We want to inspire them to dream. And a lot of these kids, they got little kid dreams. I had, I wanted to be a football player. God blessed me with the, the height and weight. But it just distributes a little different on me than most NFL players. So... That dream was my dream, but God said, I got a dream for your life, Dan, and it's to do this, what I get to do now. God has a dream for every one of these kids' lives, and our job is to not just inspire them to dream, but also to understand that God has a dream for their life, and if you walk in that, it's going to be amazing. And then the third piece, giving hope, inspiring dreams, changing worlds. And we say that, it's like, we're, gonna, we're world changers, that's great. No, really, the, the, and that's true, but our goal is that these kids realize they're the world changers. That kid, that little girl this in, in those, those videos, look at, they're so cute, they're so fun, they're still kids. You know, they're just, they're just, they're in tra- traumatic situation, but they're still kids. Like that one little kid dancing, I don't even gonna try it, that's all you get. Um, it just melts my heart when I see that, and that's without knowing specific stories. But I, they have past, and they have current, but they've got futures. And what are they gonna do that's gonna change their world from the inside out? If we can help them do that, then man, we're, we're on point with what God's given us to do as Children's Cup. Uh, the kids we work with, I mean, like I said, a lot of them are in some really, really, really traumatic situations or have been through. Um, I don't usually spend a lot of time talking about it. I'll tell you one story. Um, I, was, I was visiting the community with a missionary um, that was around one of the care points we have, and they brought us to this little, it looks like a, a row of, Kind of like a Motel 6 kind of setup, but it's, it's homes, but it's little, I say Motel 6, just a flat, like eight rooms and then two rooms, and, um, the, and then a corner room. And it's just, it's just literally, it's concrete walls, dirt floor, open window, like just holes for windows. And people are living there. And I'm like, okay, well, this is, you know, it's poverty staring you in the face. And that's not uncommon for, for that part of the world. But they brought us into the corner room which was real tiny, and um, we're standing there. It's just empty, but we're all standing there. The missionary says, right here is where a little five-year-old boy and four-year-old girl, brother and sister, live. Just the two of them. Their parents have died of AIDS, so this is where they live. And we're like, wow, that's, you know, it's sobering standing in this place where these two little kids. So questions come up. How do they survive? How do they do? Well, across the streets, a garbage dump, so they go collect, you know, pilfer through that to get stuff. But the, the way the missionary said this, and it, it just, it ruined me. He said the reason that they're allowed to live here is because the men in the other homes take their rent from the kids by abusing them at night. Little five-year-old boy, little four-year-old girl. This is their reality. They come to the care point. They're wanting to play. They're wanting to have, but this is their reality they go home to. And I thought, in that moment, I thought, what will they be in 20 years? If they're alive, what are they going to be? They're going to be those men. They're going to be the abusers. Because that's what the devil's plan is. Just either either kill them or let them be ones that per- perpetuate the whole cycle of abuse. And I thought, we've got to do something that doesn't just feed them and give them a meal, but they don't have Jesus in their heart and know what to do with their lives. That They don't discover that God has a purpose. There's beauty in that little four-year-old girl, even though the men may have been taking it from her. 
They haven't. All the abuse in them, and maybe you're somebody who you were abused. I'm telling you, whatever somebody else has done to you cannot take your beauty from you. God puts something in you that makes you beautiful. Figure that out, and you're going to live a joyful life. Nobody else can take it away from you. Um, sorry, jumped way ahead uh, in what I want to talk about. But uh, the, the good thing is we're seeing this it happen, this giving hope, inspiring dreams, changing worlds. We're seeing kids grow up and change their worlds. In Honduras, which is the country where you guys as a church have, have kind of focused your effort with Children's Cup, uh, we'll get a missions team together and go down there and you guys go see it and all that. But uh, in Honduras, one of the kids, so the big issue there is not so much starvation in Honduras. There is a lot of poverty, but in a couple of our urban settings, it's not so much even poverty, it's the gangs are the big deal. If you've studied Honduras at all, uh, M13 is a, it's a real deal. It's a heavy duty gang. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, you watch all the movies, it's all real. Uh, in fact, one of the care points you guys are partnering with, um, the, the gang is like, they run that community and we're in the middle of this community and better for better or worse, they love us, you know? So it's like, uh, you know, I don't know if I really like having a gang being or trying to defend our care point, but then again, I do. Um, so whatever, it's a lot of ethical issues. He's just like, well, I don't know if they bring something over, that's gang money. I don't know if we can use that. Yes, we'll use it. We'll feed the kids. Um, but it's so the, the, the way the society works there, these kids, when they become 11, 12 years old, they have a choice. They basically go join the gang or they try to figure out some other way to belong in society. And there's not a lot of alternatives except that care point. That care point is a place where they can, they can find it. So we had a kid actually, um, he had joined the gang. He's 13 years old. He's in the gang. He's doing the whole drug running and all this stuff. And he's 13. It was, and all this, what you watch in movies, I asked our directors in the country, I said, are those movies pretty, you know, is that making it up there? Like, no, that's pretty real, pretty straight up. Um, and so whatever, uh, this kid, he's, he's joined this. And he didn't really want to, but it's like just to what you do. Well, a friend of his from school invited him to come to the care point. He's already signed up in the gang. I don't know how. It's a miracle. I don't know how he got out. But he came to the care point, and he, after visiting, he's like, this is the family I want. He joined the gang for family, but he found the care point. He said, I'm heard and loved and accepted, and this is fun. And so he, the miracle is he got out of the gang. But that kid, so that's like four or five years ago, that kid, he uh, went through our program, and the, the, at the end of the, his high school year, uh, him and about seven other students had all come through our program and, and really been trained for being an adult, being ready uh, to be to spend their lives being productive and serving the purpose God has for their lives. Well, all eight of them within two weeks of the program ending had uh, either gotten a job offer or multiple job offers, or if they were wanting to go to university, had been accepted to university. That's cool. And I thought, okay, that's really cool. Well, I'll go down there and meet them. And they, all, these, all eight of them are coming back to the care point. When they're on in school, when they're off work, they come and serve at the care point, which is really cool. Because like, then you've got these other little kids looking at them saying, that's who I want to be like. That's great. Well, I asked him at the end of the thing. I said, hey, Mario, would you, would you just pray over me and these pastors that have come? Would you just pray for us? And I'm like, I, I love asking kids to pray for us because it's, the kids don't, <laughs> they don't know how to doubt yet, I guess, or something. I don't know. But there's, he, and I, you know, sometimes you have a kid pray and they're a little timid. They're a little quiet, you know, Jesus, please, you know, God bless the food. That's kind of what, the, what you get, which is great. But this kid, man, he, 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 there was no bashful in this. 
He leaned in and called fire from heaven down. I mean, he's like praying, pray, praying. You know, there's praying and then there's pray, praying. This kid prayed. And I was like, five years ago, he's in a gang and he's doing this now. I was, it was the most proud moment I've had as, as being part of Children's Cup because this is what we're trying to do. So after they left, I asked some other, other kids that are 14, 15 years old that are hanging out there. I said, what do, you, what do you guys think about them? They're like, oh, we want to be just like them. I thought, okay, this is working now. And then you got the other little, little kids looking at the 14-year-olds saying, oh, we'll do what they do, you know. Then you have, it's a, this, this, is, this is working. And I, that's all I can say. If you want to be a part of something that's working, you are. You're part of it. But if you want to get in further, what we, what we do now is it's $44 a month covers the cost of one kid going through the, the program. You don't pick a specific kid and this is my kid and I'm going to bring him back to the U.S. and all that. That's, that's not our model. Our model is we want to help this entire community. So you guys as a church, you partner with this community, and there's friendships that develop in there. So I go to a, I'm looking for Mario next time I go to that care point. There's a special relationship, but I don't sponsor him. I, I give to help the whole care point. So I'm, I'm helping, and, uh, but in the relationships, it's not just when you go on a trip. One of the coolest things we've done with this, I'm, I'm excited about it, is the, what we call our, our community page. So it's a, you go online. So once you sign up to be a friend, then you get a, access, you get a login to this community page. It's a private Facebook-like. It's not Facebook because that's not, we can't do private like we need to. We're all about keeping these kids safe. Like, you don't just walk into kids' church here. Your kids are safe because they got security and protocols and all that safety requirements. We do the same with our care points. So, when, when, um, when you sign up to be a friend, you get an access to this page, but this page lets you engage with the kids. I got a video that our, our, our IT guys and our video team put together. I'm going to let you see it, and then I'll, I'll come back and hit that if you guys want to. It really is just a place where you can engage with those kids. Like, you get to know them. You get to be friends with them. And when you do go on a missions trip, you're already connected. Um, it, it really is a fun thing. So they're, they're posting at least once a week we're getting a story or a video or something from the kids or from the care point, the team. And sometimes it's, it, there's prayer requests. Like, there's one of our care points in the Dominican. Our director got hit. She and a crowd of pedestrians got hit by a motorcycle, and a couple of them died. She's in intensive care. Well, we put that up so the, the churches that are partnering in that community can pray with us for Pamela. And I invite you guys, please pray for Pamela. Um, but that community page is where that, that stuff happens. It's real life. So it's, it's, and it's like Michael said, it's both ways. It's, you can let them know. And I'm telling you, getting, kids, getting a group of kids to pray for you for something, yeah, that's, that's cool. That, that really, it, it's, it's intense. And so um, what, all you got to do, and I'm saying I'm not trying to be pitchy sales, do what God wants you to do, but the process for it is I'll be out at the table. There's a bunch of QR codes, a bunch of information. You can sign up right there. Uh, use the QR code and do it. If you do that, we got, I've left it over there, but there's a little gift bag. We get a little party favor bag. We'll give you, it's cute and all that, and it's fun. But there's also a, a, a little card you can fill out and take a picture. Hold this card. It says, my, my name is Susie, and my favorite color is blue. You hold that up and take a, take a selfie, post it on your Instagram, wherever, send it to us, and we'll print that and put that up at the care point so the kids can start seeing your face and get familiar with who you are. Uh, and, and then it just it, the, the two-way street with this is, is big. So 44 bucks a month does that. You can sign up on, over there and let us know you did it, and, and we'll get things going. Um, I think that's all I have to say about Children's Cup. That's not true. I could say so much more. But uh, I do appreciate you guys, the way you guys help and, and all that. And what I want to do today, the message God has given me is something that I feel like um, I'm walking in victory in, 
but it's not like it's with a, not without a challenge or that I've not been through a challenge with it. But I want to talk about unforgiveness or forgiveness. Probably should talk about forgiveness more than unforgiveness. Um, but I want, I want to talk about that. Let's pray. God, thank you for your, your favor on this church. Thank you for your favor in our lives. Thank you for your presence in this place today. So many things are coming together to make this just a, a great moment to be able to stand up here and give your word. I pray you touch my lips, helping to communicate it the way you want it and open all of our hearts and ears to be able to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 31 and 32. Ephesians four thirty-one and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. These are not words we usually use a lot of, like clamor, uh, you know, or, or malice. We don't, that's not words I use all the time. Even slander, I don't say it. Sometimes I do it, uh, but I try, you know, I need to not. But these words, we know what they mean. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. Let's put them all away. That's what this verse says. Although you look around our world, that's, those words kind of describe a lot of our world today. You listen to, I don't, I can't hardly stand listening to news, but we borrowed my father-in-law's pickup truck to move some stuff the other day. He's got it on talk radio. And I'm like, oh man, I just get depressed. Because it's, it, it's that. What you hear on there is bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not, if you work in the news field, God bless you, that's cool. You know, I'll pray for you because it, it can be depressing. And um, if, you, if you don't, if you just look at the world at face value, there's a lot of that going on in our world. And then what does it say? It says, instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Ooh, that's like the exact opposite. Be kind one to another, forgiving one another. Wow, like tenderhearted. How many tenderhearted people do you see in the news? You don't, like that's not news. We're not gonna show that. How many tenderhearted people do you know? I mean, I'm sure you all know somebody that we'd say is tenderhearted. But man, would, my question for us today is, is that what I would characterize myself as, as somebody who's tenderhearted? I think in moments, there's, there's certainly a pocket for all of us where there's a tenderhearted moment. You know, there's some place that would break us, make us cry, uh, make us uh, feel uh, intensely. But it, the, the root of this whole thing, I think, does go back to when we're, when we're not forgiving, when we're not willing to let go. Like if, you, if you're hardened, and I don't, I don't want to live a life that's hardened. Um, here's the thing, unforgiveness, and this is a saying that I've heard a bunch, you probably heard it too, but holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. That's just not going to work, you know, unless you fall over onto them or something. You, you're the one that's going to die. And it does. When we, when we, so why do we struggle with unforgiveness? Now, here's the thing. I'm, I brought up, we're going to talk about unforgiveness. Probably a bunch of us in this room, when I said that, you're like, Oh, yeah, so God's, God's really wanting to deal. You knew exactly what God's about to deal with you about. There's a bunch of us in the room, too, though, that think, ah, it's not my thing. I'm, I'm good. I don't have any. And then there's some of us in the room that you don't realize it, but it's there, and God's going to show it to you. And he, here's the thing. I think we all need to, we all need to take a step further from unforgiveness. Whichever category you're in, we need to take a step further into being forgiving people, being quick to forgive. Um, during a recent visit to Africa, we, we went to this really, really remote place. Like it's in the middle of nowhere. And um, 
it's in a country I've, I've been in several times before, and we're actually exploring, do we go back to this country? Because the Civil War had happened and made it where we could not operate. We had to get out, and so we were exploring, do we go back in? Well, we're going there, and, and our, our my friend that lives there, he had this guy that he knew and said, hey, we can go stay at his at, on his property in the middle of nowhere. So we're driving. It's cold. I mean, it, it was just a couple months ago, so it's like it was summer here, which means it's winter there, and it was cold, cold, like nasty cold. Not like Chicago cold, but like there's no heat. There's It's just, and it's rainy, and it's, it's you know, right on the edge of freezing. It was cold. So it was just miserable. We, we'd come up, and, and uh, I'm hearing the, the you know, we, we meet the guy, I'll tell you about that in a second, but he tells us his story. And his story is his family for generations has owned this big, huge, like, it's a farm, basically. And the Civil War, it got, the farm got taken away, which is whatever, you know, like they, they got, it was whatever. Civil War. Take, it just messes, war messes everything up. So their their farm is greatly reduced, but that was like, a whatever thing, but they were targeted by the the other side of the Civil War, where they were like, um, there's one road leading to the house from the church that his his family went to. Well, when he was a kid, his his mom actually his mom when his mom was a kid. So when this all happened, uh, they set a landmine in the road specifically to nail their family, specifically to kill their family. Well, it went off and didn't kill her, killed some of them, but didn't kill her, but it messed her feet up. Like it blew off most of her feet. He's lived with this his whole life. That this is this is how his family's treated. He himself has been taken to jail, unjustly accused, taken to jail, beaten, and then thrown back out. And then again, taken into jail, beaten, thrown back out. He has every reason in his life to be a bitter old man. Every reason. I mean, in a human sense, every reason to be a bitter old man. Um, there was another uh, RPG strike that the, the 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 Civil War. They got caught in between, and um, it hit right hit the road right in front of their car, and that you know it destroyed a bunch more parts of things. In fact, to where his hearing is messed up because of this RPG strike. So he's living with this. It's a reality for him all the time. The, it's not like it happened and it went away. It's like they, he lives with this. His mom can hardly walk. He can't hear well. And every, everything is affected by it still. And yet, this, let me describe when we came up to where he, where he lives. We come up, it's mud, rain, cold. He's standing out in the, I say driveway, standing out in the mud area where you get out of the car. And he's got the biggest smile on his face. I think it's because he's seen other humans for, you know, because they're out there so remote. Um, but he, he just welcomed us, big old bear. I'd never met the guy before in my life. Big old bear hug. It's just like, welcome to our farm. Welcome to, you know, just excited. We go in, it's like a little like a little painting where it's the cottage, little farmhouse with the smoke coming out the chimney and you go inside and they got tea on the, on the fire in the fireplace and warm couches and blankets. And I'm like, this is like, I'm, I'm not into this kind of stuff, but it sure feels good right now. You know what I mean? Like, I want my couch and my remote. Um, but we, we sat in there, and there was nothing in that room but joy, laughter, uh, just completely a warm place to be, not the cold, bitter that I would have thought. Um, there's, there's no grocery store nearby. 
I mean, there's no Piggly Wiggly for sure, or let alone Whole Foods. Um, that's where I eat all the time Whole Foods, right? Can I believe that? Um, sorry if you work for Whole Foods. I'm not helping you out at all. Um, not even a 7-Eleven. I mean, there's just nothing there. They, it's like two hours to any kind of supply. Um, that's his word. But he greeted us and laughter, smiles, joy, hope, deep love for God, gratitude, Despite all the past, gratitude, honor, staunch determination, a super close bond between the four and their family, and love for those who work on their staff. They've got a staff that works on their on their farm. They're macadamia farmers now. The staff that works that. We went to, he, every week he has a pastor, local pastor comes in and does a devotional with them. And they just sat in there. They, these, I met these people and they're like, they know they're loved by their, by their employer and by this pastor. They're in an environment of love and joy. That, to me, that's hero-level stuff. Not just surviving in that, but given the past that it is to say we're going to survive in this and thrive and bless our community. In fact, this guy took us to... So in, in that community, there's a high school. I don't, I don't know how far away, but you know, close enough to them that he, has, he can reach it every day. Uh, there's an orphanage that he's helped build right next to the high school because so many of the kids were orphaned. Uh, in this part of Africa, it, AIDS really, really, really took a toll. So a lot of kids whose parents have died of AIDS. So there, he actually funded building this orphanage and getting people to run it uh, and paying them and covering this. We went and visited this orphanage. I'm, and it, I'm, it was so just it was heartbreaking and th- thrilling all at the same time to see what this guy's overflow of joy has, has produced. And we met these kids. One of the coolest things about it, and this is this is my angle on all this stuff all the time, is, you know, what are these kids becoming? Well, there was two little boys, probably 12, 13 years old in there, and and they're wearing these brand new shoes. I was like, okay, well that's cool. I wonder who gave those shoes to them. Well, the the leader of the of the uh, orphanage, she said, so we have this uh, maize farm, a corn farm, a uh, little garden basically. She said those two boys planted the corn grew the corn, ground, harvested the corn, took it to a grinder, ground the corn, and went and sold it at the market and then bought those shoes with it. I was like, that's really cool, you know, because that, then it's, there's no hand out there. You know, that's, that's those kids, they got some dignity. When they wear those shoes, that's not some cool American gave me some shoes, which is fine, but how much more dignity they got when they're wearing, you know, it's just that, that to me says what I believe. So when we looked at that, I'm like, okay, we got to help. We want to jump in and do some more here. Um, but the this guy, I asked him, so what? how does this even work out? How does this add up, man? You had so much bad happen to you. And, you know, he's got, he's even got a souvenir. Like there was a, in the gunfire after the RPG rocket hit in the, in the gunfire, because the both sides were, were going at it, there was one that was actually attacking their car, and then this other side came in to defend them. There's a bullet shell he's got where there's actually a bullet went through the casing. And he's, this, is, this is this guy, his personality. He took that and he holds it up. And he's got a little stick going through the hole in the, in the shell. He said it makes a cross. And he said, I know that was Jesus defending us. I was like, this is, this is how he sees. He just turns everything that's bad into how can I see God in it. And so I said, how did you get to that point? How did you get away from the bitter? He said, I was bitter. I was angry. I was, I was I was living that. He said, but God, through another guy, showed me, basically, I was like a truck driver. Any truck drivers in here actually drive the big 18-wheelers? We had one guy in the first service. I was like, I wanted to meet him. Because um, I've, like, always had this, anybody ever dream of being a truck driver? 
thought this would be the coolest. You just, there you go. Just like, I think about it because I drive across the U.S. all the time. Sometimes I'm, maybe most of the time I'm mad at a truck driver because they're driving too slow in the fast lane trying to pass another truck or they're going one mile an hour faster than them. <laughs> Up a hill, like you didn't see the hill coming, bro? Come on. I got to get somewhere, you know. Only got eight hours to get there. Um, I'm always in a hurry. I, this is where God's, um, you can tell, this is where God's working with me on this message is my driving. Because um, I'm better than all the other drivers out there. Y'all just know it. <laughs> no, but really, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, this, just truck driving to me is, a, is an interesting life. Like the, you know, that, that cab, the rig, man, it's, it's like a hotel room, some of them. Like, this is amazing. You pull off anywhere, you got your whole setup. You're ready to go. It's like an RV with a, you know, but the different rigs are made different ways. They're sort of made to haul different things, different capacities. And my closest I've ever come to driving a, a, a an 18-wheeler is driving my, my U-Hauls when we move. So we just moved back from California about a year ago to Baton Rouge. We're Baton Rouge folks, right? Come on, go Tigers. I still, some of y'all kept clapping after I said go Tigers. That's all right. Here's where we can agree. We hate Bama, right? What? They're all sitting over here by you, Jamie. What's this? Oh, the Holy Shekinah just left. <laughs> it's, I mean, a good weekend for me, for, LS, for, for football, I checked the scores. Did Bama lose? That's a good day. I don't care. I don't even check LSU. <laughs> hey, yesterday was almost a trifecta, though, for all of us in the room, most of us in the room here. Is the Vols won big, should have won 100 to nothing. But, hey, we'll take you know, whatever that was. And you let them score. It was a little embarrassing. But then LSU, we kind of had our hands full with Arkansas. I was like, but we won. Hey, great. You know, two for two. Now let's check Bama. And they eked it out, man. But they looked sorry. So that still made me feel a little bit good. Um, there's a reason why we all hate Bama, you know, or why the rest of us hate Bama, because they win all the time. Um, I don't even know where I got off talking. Oh, we moved back from California. So California, again, that's, there's no college football that anybody cares about there. They just, you talk LSU, they're like, what? They're just, I don't know, Californians are weird. If you're from California, God bless you for not being there anymore. We're excited to not be there anymore. I like visiting. It's a great place to visit. The weather is amazing. We lived in San Francisco for three years. Like, it never got above 70, never below 40. I'm like, this is amazing. But then everybody you're doing this with, you don't like. So they're all like, you know, you should, you should get that mask on, or you should not get that mask on, or you should, all opinions, and they're forcing them on you. Anyway, uh, we're moving back from California, and so I'm in a U-Haul, which I've done that a bunch. We, you know, I've driven them all over. But we get, we loaded it up. I was just five of us live in our house right now, our home. And so we loaded all of the, our stuff into this one, the, whatever, 27-footer. And it was full. So we're going through the hills, going up to, through Flagstaff. And my wife's following us in the car behind. She calls me. She says, hey, and it's good nighttime, so she could see it real clear. She's like, hey, there's some sparks coming out from behind the truck. I was like, huh. So we drove on, which is what you do if you're a U-Haul renter, right? You just drive. Let's go. Didn't think anything. I thought about it, but I was like, ah, it'll be fine because that's, that's what we do. So I'm, I'm driving this, and, and I get uh, a little bit later, she calls me again. She says, hey, there's, there's actually flames coming out now. <laughs> I was like, thought about keep going, but I was like, nah, we probably ought to pull over. So we pulled over. I looked underneath, 
And yeah, this, this, the, the drive shaft is glowing, and I don't know enough about cars to even tell you what was going on, but there was something glowing underneath there. I was like, we probably shouldn't. So we called and ended up spending the night on the side of the road, whatever. Found out we had that thing overloaded. I didn't know that was possible, unless you're loading bricks in, that you could actually overload a U-Haul. But we did. It's like you get 20,000 pounds, we had 22,000 in there, something like that. And uh, so they ended up switching uh, switching the haul, the load over to another truck. It took like 24 hours of delays, but you know all this hassle. But they got us in a new truck, and this truck could handle 25,000. So it's just same length, same size, but just a, a better truck. So then we made it the rest of the way home. The point of that is that truck was not designed. The rig I was driving was not designed to carry the load I was putting in it. Okay, and that's what this guy, my friend in, in Africa, he was tell, He told me. He said, God showed me that I was driving, I had my rig, my life that God's given me, but I was trying to haul a load that I wasn't designed to haul. And he said, God just told me, you need to unhook from that load. He said, I, had, he said, I didn't have like a little pickup truck load of bitterness or like even a, a U-Haul load of bitterness or even like the 18-wheelers with that, you know, the 35-foot, what is it, 30, I don't know how long it is, 35-foot box on the back load. I had one of those land trains. You ever seen those where it's like three 40 foot, or three, I don't know if this 40 foot, three 20 foot containers on the back of this truck. And it's a train. It looks like a train. It's actually four pieces. It's the rig and then three boxes behind it. He said, that's what I was carrying full of bitterness. And my rig was not designed to handle that. Here's the fact. None of us have a rig designed to handle, to carry even an ounce of bitterness. It doesn't matter how much the bitterness, if it doesn't matter, it, I get it, it matters, but for the, for the sake of what we're talking about here, it doesn't matter whether you were abused as a child or if yesterday somebody didn't let you get cut in front of them in traffic. They didn't let you turn left when you, you know they should have. It's, if you're holding bitterness, the bitterness is the same. Bitterness will kill you. It will ruin your life. doesn't matter if it's a drop or if it's a whole mountain. You're not designed to carry it at all. And that's, so this guy... He said, when, when God showed him that, he said, you just need to unhook from it. Go park that load. Go pull off the side, park it, unhook, and never look back. He said, it sounds so simple, but that's what it was. I just had to unhook. He said, I just, I, I, it was so overwhelming. I just let it go. I just decided at that moment, I'm not looking back. Unhooks from it. And instead, what he said, it wasn't enough just to unhook. Because my, my rig is designed to haul something. You ever driven an empty U-Haul after you've been driving a full one? Or you have a, you know, your car's full, you maybe got 43 kids, you're taking a soccer, and that minivan is just weighed down, and then you get all the kids out, and you feel like, man, I'm just free. But it also, it doesn't feel quite right, because it's too loose. It's too, you know, like, this thing's designed to carry more than just me. That's the same for us. And this is what my friend said. He said, I figured out, or said, God showed me, I need to pick up another load. But it's a load of joy, it's, it's fulfillment, it's purpose. He said, that's when I got after that orphanage. I decided I'm not going to carry that load of bitterness anymore. I'm going to put my hand to, I'm going to hook up to a load that I can carry, that I am built to carry. And that's, that's what, made, he said, that's why I'm the person I am today. Why I can have joy in the middle of all this. Because I don't, I don't worry about the, all this that's negative. I'm going after the, the joy set before me, so, so to speak, is those kids at that orphanage. It's the employees on my staff here at the farm. I'm going to love people. 
I'm telling you, it's the same thing for you today. You're, walk, you're sitting here right now and God's poking at you about something, that you're, somebody you need to forgive, some, something you need to let go of. And you're like, it's too hard, it's too hard, it's too hard. You know what? One thing that will make it easier is when you unhook and you decide, I'm signing up for that serve Saturday, October 7. I'm going to get out there, I'm going to serve somebody. That gives you, because we're made to haul stuff. As people, we're made, we're made to do something. We all need purpose. So you unhook from the, how can it even be a purpose? But it becomes that force, bitterness. The purpose of carrying this bitterness so everybody sees what pain I had or how wrong that other person was. Let go of that purpose and immediately jump in and say, I'm going to start, I'm going to sign up to greet at the door. I'm going to get on this worship team because they can rock. Sorry, I'm, I'm showing my 1966 birth date. Um, with the whole thing, but it's, it is, find that other thing, sign up for something, get to be part of something, be a friend to a kid, go on a missions trip, get, be a part of what this church is doing, be a part of your family. The person that has offended you, like unhook from the offense. You don't have to, you don't necessarily even have to unhook from the person. There's a good chance that the people that you're holding unforgiveness toward don't even know. Some of us, some of us, they know because you hadn't talked to them in 10 years. And I'll tell you this, if you're, this is just a little practical on this, and I'm going to wrap up. But if you're holding unforgiveness towards somebody and they don't have a clue, unhooking does not mean calling them up and telling them, hey, this is all, I've been so mad at you for the last 10 years and, you know, I know I've acted like I wasn't, but you bring it all up and now there's a problem on the other side. No, just unhook and go on. Now, there may be some of you, you need to go say, I am so sorry because I have, I have mistreated you because of unforgiveness. And you need to have that conversation. That's hard. I get it. It's really hard. Some of you, there's nobody to go back to because it was a, 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 an, an uncle or somebody that abused you when you were younger. And they're, they're gone. So there's nobody to actually have that encounter with to say, I forgive you. That's okay. Unhook. Unhook. And there's, there's all kinds of wisdom and help. Get some friends around. If it's complicated, you can't figure out how do I unhook? What's the right way? You know what? There's friends in this place that can help. Get in the altars and pray. God will show you stuff. But I'm telling you, do what it takes to unhook. Get rid of that unforgiveness. And it's not about, do I get that relationship back? And it's not even about all that. It's unhook from the bitterness and hook your load up to something that is actually good because there's some good stuff out there you can be a part of, and it will make your life so full when you do. Let me read one more verse to you, Proverbs eleven twenty five. This is why all this I believe to be true. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. If you're holding forgiveness hard, there's a good chance you're not feeling refreshed. But you want to feel refreshed? Start being generous with your life. Unhook from the bitterness and start being generous with your life. Let's pray. God, thank you for the fact that you died on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven, so that we could, um, we could forgive others. And God, I just pray that today in this place, you would help us to run from bitterness, run from unforgiveness, and choose instead to run to you and to the places where you are. And that's where people are being helped. It's where we can serve others and be a blessing to others. God, thank you for your presence in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. 
If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.